Hey, you mutilated dick chickens. We are breaking from form slightly for this episode. You usually hear from me, the sultry sex sultan cyber slash 1000 at the end of the episodes, when I do in the hidden tracks. Well, I am here to peddle our very own goon gala hostess, Adrian's new book. That is right, while the other two Y chromosome hosts can't even read, this girl went out and wrote a book. It is called Last Call, a toxic love story, and no it is not about Jake's colon after Taco Bell. Find the link in the episode description. If you send us proof you bought a copy, you get each and every Patreon bonus episode we have ever recorded for free. Now, on to the show. This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me as always are my esteemed colleagues, <laughs> co-hosts, and cohorts, Doug and Adrian, who is scrambling to record her audio separate and independently. I think we should just rely on my audio. Guys, say hello to the mutant goons. <laughs> From beyond. Hey, all you mutant goons out there. We're going to get into a gonad standoff smashing good time with tonight's film. Oh my gosh. Hang on to your boobs, girls. It's going to be a bumpy ride. There we go. So we are do what, what are we going to call this episode? Is it Tanny and the teenage T-Rex? Is it Tammy and the T-Rex? What are we doing? I don't know, but I think this is like one of the funniest things of, of being cheap and not fixing your credits. You know how easy it is now? It's just put one, <laughs> just put two little yellow lines to make it an M. I don't get uh, it. For Tanny. I don't know. But you know that, that's the great thing of vinegar syndrome. They keep it the way it was originally uh put in on the on the film print so hey gotta keep it real well i had read that this was actually like a bootleg italian print that, that was converted because like the, the vhs american print had so much taken out and excised because of censorship but then the audio is clearly english so i'm not exactly sure if that's right but you know the rumor mill abounds oh yeah well i'm so happy we got uh, this movie fully uncut because actually this is like one of my favorite movies now you know i, I seen the pg-13 kind of like eh, it's just it's like theodore yeah. rex but no th this year makes it like a more of a trauma film if anything. oh yeah Hey, do you think this is like an antagonistically artistful movie at this point? I don't know. I, you know, I, I really liked this movie. <laughs> I'd never seen it. And I actually made Dan watch it with me last or yesterday, yeah. too, because I thought it was just the best. Like, it was so funny. I loved Byron. Like, Byron's my favorite person in the whole world. And I, how adorable. I'm just going to talk about Paul Walker this entire episode. Everyone, I'm really sorry. But, but how here's my working thesis. We've talked about this. <laughs> We could still do a sequel to Tammy and the T-Rex because Paul Walker is just, you just say that, oh, we put his brain in Shaquille O'Neal and then Shaq plays the character now. Like we could totally do this. <laughs> or just have him in a jar the whole time. It'll be like Uncle Anwar 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that could work. But it, it was, it was, it's really funny. It did remind me of a trauma film, but I thought it had a little more substance to it than, than that. I mean, it was a little ridiculous, but it was fun. Yeah, I think that the ridiculosity, though, I you know, you ever make a, a really impulsive decision, and even as you're making the decision, you're like, "This is kind of stupid," but but I'm gonna do this. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I feel like that impulsivity speaks to this movie because if they didn't do it on a schedule of like three weeks. There's just no way that something this stupid exists, yeah? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. That's most of the stuff I do. 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, the other crazy thing too is that this is the same director from uh, Mannequin Two on the move. Yeah. So that's another one I like. So Vinegar Syndrome. If you're listening, release the gore cut of Mannequin Two on <laughs> because uh, Byron is basically the cheap version of Hollywood Montrose. I think Hollywood is like one of the better characters, and you know, in the, both Mannequin movies, you remember him the most than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also. Fun fact, he's the Mac and Me guy, which if you go to the original cut of Mac and Me with the gunfire and explosions, again, like weirdly dark. He did the Philadelphia Experience. He did Ice Pirates. He also did Paul Walker's grandma because he is Paul Walker's grandpa. Oh, oh that makes sense. That. So now you get to think about old people fucking. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he's his own grandpa, but there was some weird Disney stuff going on. Like Tom Arnold. The only problem is I don't think they were grandparents at the time they were having sex in order to make Paul Walker's parents. So they were probably maybe our age, if not younger, because, you know, they were going to die soon because age is weird. What do you think about the the kill count in this film? Are we happy with it more or less? What are we talking? Oh, I think this has a, this has a really good kill count. This is basically Toxic Avenger, the, the yep. revenge story uh, going in. So yeah, it's a high kill count, and the kills are actually pretty gory. There's a head that gets bitten off and then squashed. There's people that are crushed underneath a car, and you see everything. And then there's a uh, the kid from Children of the Corn. Well, he's not really a kid. Isaac. Uh, Isaac. Yeah, he gets a he gets a decapitation <laughs> yeah. scene, and then vote for Pedro's in here too. So. I know. I was like, what the fuck is Pedro doing here, delivering pizza? Like, what the hell? You guys didn't tell me any of this. So it was a pleasant surprise. So do you like the fact that it is gore, but it is stupid gore throughout? Or Because honestly, like when I was watching this, my wife, she's like, ooh, like that's kind of dark. But I was like, every single dark thing is also simultaneously painfully stupid. Like when they're rolling up the squashed corpse or when Sean Whalen is like holding his guts and stuff like very clearly this is comedic gore. Uh, but I think maybe to the uninitiated, they might just take it as just like plain splatterfest. Well, this is like Happy Tree Friends style gore. I think yes. the thing that's really like kind of shocking is what you have in your background where he's getting the brain surgery cut. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty brutal. You know, you, you see like surprisingly the- good. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's 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 fun gore. It's Toxic Adventure Part Two gore. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's for introducing oh, like something like this to someone i think that it's a good way to to kind of ease them into gore versus like this is fun versus like if you're watching something like saw for example like obviously that's more mean-spirited and a lot more anatomically correct i guess so that's fine it's cushy it's gory it's like gooey it's like like ew like you just want to go touch it like that's that's the kind of gore I, i don't know so this might come as a surprise my favorite gore effect in this film is when they try to exhume paul walker's corpse and it's like this maggot infested shit face and it's just like gooping all over the place it's so disgusting and it's such a great like dose of reality of like of course this was gonna happen you fucking idiot like there's no scenario where he's just been entombed and he's just gonna look pristine that's what 
what? Well, <laughs> if they had him in the refrigerator, though, at the morgue, like, wouldn't he have stayed? Like, I think that the embalming would have helped. But if that's the thing, it's a trade off. Either he's embalmed and he's almost mummified to a certain extent, or okay. he's he's fresh goop, which means he's maggot food, which is what he becomes. So yeah. I like the fact that it's kind of one or the other, you know, because if, if they had done like an embalming scene, well, they're of no use to him, right? They can't mm-hmm. reanimate this. Well, I guess maybe they could now that I say it, because. They completely own that the T-Rex is a robot. That's a weird thing that I, I think I misremembered as a kid. Oh, but you saw this as a kid, though. So you saw the PG-13 tape. Yeah. And so I think I, uh, the way I thought of it as a kid was like it was a freezer locker and that they were like animating this dinosaur. And then uh, maybe that was just because, you know, I was a big fan of dinosaurs and Jurassic Park and those weren't robots. But then in, in rewatching, I was like, holy shit, like that's clearly a robot. That's kind of fun. Like. It almost makes you want to think like, let's just nudge the Boston Dynamics people just a little bit. Like, stop making cop dogs and let's start making (laughs) T-Rexes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the story behind that, they made this whole movie because they had access for three weeks to the animatronic dinosaur. So it's like, oh, shit, let's do it while it's here. Well, and then, you know, the further story of that, right? So the guy who owned it in seeing the cut of the film was the disturbed and distraught at the idea that he, they had made this disgusting, vile, sexual movie with his prop dinosaur that he thought they were going to make like a cutesy fucking pre-hysteria full moon films kind of thing. And so that was a, a, quite a pickle. Well, now people remember this one. And look, the uncut footage just came out. Now it's becoming like a big cult movie I've seen. Yeah. Well, when this came out, it was like right before the pandemic. And they're having midnight screenings at like the draft house. And, uh, you know, so so it's cool. It's People are rediscovering it here. And yeah. And, and then my favorite character actor is in this film, too. George Buck Flower. He's the, he's the inspiration for all the uh, boomer voices that I do. You don't miss that. That was your mother's favorite. Uh, you know, just the same, that same uh, Buckflower voice. That's awesome. He plays Norville. And uh, to your point, Doug, when this came out, I had fucking fatigue because I had remembered it as a kid. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, they're going to add some gore to it. That's not enough to get me excited about it. And every fucking person was posting about it. And it was this, it was like smothering. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I was wrong. I should have bandwagoned on this. This is like, because you know, you just expect a degree of variation, right? Like I got this amount of gore and I get that amount of gore versus in this, it's like you get this disgusting, revolting, amazing goop. Uh, so yeah, big fan now. Yeah. Not saying I was wrong, but it's a big fan. Well, no, if you see the PG-13 cut and you watch this, instead of just like trickles, it's like, oh, we sprayed a few blood here. This one's like someone just opened their ass and sprayed diarrhea all over the walls. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how much the core it is. Just like, wow, what a totally different film. Very much so. Have you ever seen the censored version? A while ago. This was back on like a burnt DVD-R when you go to yep. conventions and buy the uh, bootleg DVDs. <laughs> I remember those. Mm-hmm. The, the burnt DVD that costs all of 75 cents to make, but they charge you 15 bucks for. Yeah. Sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. Well, no other no other better way to watch uh, Squirm Fest and Squirm Fest 2. I remember I paid 30 bucks for those. It's just a oh DVDR. Oh, but yeah. have you seen Squirm Fest? Nope. Because I'm not going to spend $30 for anything. No. Take that, Black Widow. Boom. 30 uh, fucking dollars. Get out of here, Mickey Mouse. That movie was boring. Oh, did you watch it? Yeah, of course. I watched everything Marvel. I've finished Loki. All I want to talk about is that shit. But instead, we had to talk about Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. But my official stance on Black Widow, 
is fucking boring. And not because nothing happens. Everything happens. And that makes it boring because nothing has consequence. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, there's an explosion and she explodes out of the explosion and she flops and crashes and booms and cysts and bangs and baws. And she's fine. And she does that and, superhero jump, right? When she jumps off a building, they land on their like knees and look up. Her quote unquote <laughs> sister makes fun of that. It's sad face girl from Midsummer, And uh, she she's like the best part of the movie, even though she's super. She's like almost Kat Dennings from Thor, like in the amount of smarmy shit, like looking down their nose at comics. But it's directed towards the MCU, not the the marvel comics so it's fine because it's like you're we can all make fun of the the movies together but don't you dare make fun of the original comic source material or i will have to make you seppuku yourself yeah so let me guess uh kristen pug is her name or Pug, the one that's always yeah. like yeah she, the one that looks like the millennial uh, yeah. h&m model <laughs> yeah mixed with a blobfish exactly yeah. <laughs> well she'll be in the sequel uh what, what's this a black riddle so brown recluse is the next one <laughs> oh, no. I like that. Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't even know. You see, this is the thing. I, so I'm not that I'm mad at you guys. I'm not mad at either of you, but none of you told me anything about this movie. So why would we? Because that's what I, you, that's your job is to do your own research you and be your own strong, me, oh, independent woman. Well, I am a strong, independent woman, but sometimes like I don't have to look at everything before I put it on, right? Oh, so, so I, you're just saying that you're relying on us as men to edify you oh. and that you are dependent on us in some degree, yes? Okay, so we're going to retract my last statement because <laughs> I don't need to rely on you for anything, but I just thought as my friend, you would just... You would just tell me, hey, there's two versions of this movie, so don't waste your time on the cut version. Make Which sure one you did you the- see? You uh, didn't watch the cut version, did you? No, no, okay. no. I, I couldn't. Well, firstly, I couldn't even get it streaming on anything. I couldn't just pay for it uh, because you needed to like have Hulu Premium and Amazon and Shutter. I guess it's on Shutter right now. Yeah, that's um, the one thing I've used Shutter for, except for Joe Bob in the last two years, because Shutter sucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, really, Shutter's not very good. I'm trying so hard not to pay for Shutter, and I know that's like a, a like blasphemy in the horror world because we should all have sh- Shutter, right? No, but, we shouldn't. So, uh, I'm going to say this now: Shutter owes us a debt to be worth the price. Like, I'm sick of this rhetoric of like, "Well, you're a horror fan, right? So you have to." No, I don't. Like, it's simply if I could go to Midnight Pulp. Pluto, Crackle, Tubi, all of these other fucking B-movie TV on Roku. There are so many alternatives. You owe it to me to be worth 10 bucks or however much a month. And if, if frankly, the only new thing I'm getting is Joe Bob and the fucking amusement park or carousel, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, that ain't enough. Well, they have that documentary on there that I was watching uh, with a friend recently. In Search of Darkness? The, the new one where it's like all these different parts to it. I don't even know the name. Like, oh my god, I'm losing it. <laughs> but anyways, they have that on there, so I actually. It do must be watch really that. memorable and no, worth ten dollars. It was good. It was good when I started watching it, but I don't want to pay t- for fucking Shutter. <laughs> there you go. It, so. <laughs> well, see, n- now that we're off the cup on Shutter, I feel like cu- Shutter really that tries to force their movies. They're like, you're gonna love this movie and you're gonna like it. It's like, stop shoving that movie down my throat. It sucks. And you just paid by the producers to push it. Now you're shoving it down everyone's fucking throat. So stop yeah. it, Shutter. <laughs> well, also the rating system has gone to shit. When you when I started using Shutter, it was. Almost like Letterbox to Junior in terms of the ratings. Like you'd see these really like well crafted reviews and stuff. And now it's like one one skull 
gay. And you're like, thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, in the in number of skulls for Tanny and the teenage T-Rex, before we get into like the review and the blah, 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 I think we can all agree this is at least a four, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd sure. even say it's a five, to be honest. For, I mean, for me, it's 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 the perfect midnight movie. This is a movie you want to get drunk or high to and just hang out with friends. Um <laughs> And then if, if you can't, if you don't want to stream it, try to get it on here. Vinegar Syndrome put it out. They have a cool little lenticular cover. So this is wow. one I definitely search out. It's in 4K as well, too. But I didn't feel like spending $20 more for a 4K version of Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessary. Yeah, that's what I watched. That was good. It looks good. The 4K version or the Blu-ray version? The 4K version. Oh, oh, oh shit. Big spenda over here. Well, I... Hey, I you, can't afford Shutter because I'm spending all my dollars no, on K's. You know how I got it. I'm not going to say it on on the show, but you know. You heard me, it. matey. You know how I got it. So, <laughs> okay, anyway. Captain Jack Sparrow. Let's move on. So the film was released in 1994, a whopping year after Jurassic Park and Carnosaur, made on an estimated budget of a million dollars, which is just rampant speculation from most people. I mean, Jesus Christ. Stuart Raffel, this guy gets approached and he talked, I mean, he's done this same interview like a hundred times about how it came to be. They're basically, we have an animatronic dinosaur. You can use it. We're going to be relocating. So within a week, he writes the movie and then it's in production less than three weeks later. That's just absolutely astonishing to me. Just on that alone, then you factor in gore and everything that just blows my mind. Yeah. See, the way I see that they had this is is that um, they must have had gore effects and stuff like left over from the last movie because when they were filming this whole movie, California was on fire and you could look, see it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean, I feel like they had a bunch of stuff left over like, oh, here's all the severed heads and guts that we couldn't use on Mac and me. So we'll use them for this. Exactly. Like, it's so bizarre. Like, literally, the dude asks him, like, so what? what's the story? What's the movie we're going to make? And the guy, like, because he, it'd be like me going like, hey, Doug, I have these Russian Bluetooth headphones in my hand. Make a movie about this. What's the story? And you're like, I don't fucking know. You just presented me with this thing. So he literally is like, I don't know what the story is, but we have to begin filming in a month. And so it's literally just a hodgepodge of who's available, my grandson, and what else, like, what can we just crowbar in there? Yeah, basically, it works out. It's That's what it is. It's a hodgepodge of a movie. It's just, and, and the thing is, too, I got to give credit to the uh, costume design here. This is the kind of stuff I like when characters are just randomly wearing uh, either moo-moos or, like, when she comes in, to, when Paul Walker's in the hospital, she's like, oh, no, he's laying down. She's wearing, like, a sun hat, and she has, like, this cowboy vest. And, just uh, like Blossom. I'm like, what the fuck, yeah, man? Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. 90s Polly Pocket threw up. That's what it looks like. <laughs> well, I'm her- more of a Mighty Max guy myself because I have a exposed midriff and I grab guys by the dick. Uh, can we talk about that real quick? <laughs> yeah, How does Bobby, the bad guy, not realize he's grabbing a cup? I know what a dick feels like in my hand. Kind of an expert on that sensation. My own. But... You know, I feel like I would be able to figure that out. Uh, and the fact that he's like completely hoodwinked of like, hey, you made me jack your cup off. Oh, I'm going to get you. Yeah, That's the most unrealistic part of the whole movie. It's weird because, uh, yeah, he just grabs the cup. That was more like a sex scene than anything because they're grabbing the nuts and they're like, oh, go for it. And then uh, Buck Flower, he says that line. And he's like, this is one of those uh, those uh, genital grabbing standoffs. <sighs> 
<laughs> and, oh and he's God. amazing. But but Denise Richards too. This is her first one. But she there's two parts where she just overacts and screams in that part. She's like, stop it! Oh, did I peek? I think I peeked. Yeah. Oh, is that a is that a shark being jumped over? Yeah. Also, to Paul Walker's credit, this wasn't his first film. Funny enough, Monster in the Closet was his first film, which our super duper awesome top tier Patreon patrons would remember because we did a watch party of it during Tro March. So if you aren't one of those people, sorry. Sucks to be you. You should totally just wad up cash, shove it into your disk drive, and send it to us electronically. Yeah, we need to support our drinking habit now, baby. Yeah, Ew. iced tea doesn't pay for itself, fuck boys. <laughs> so anyway, yada yada, Stuart Raphael completely concedes. He's like, there's no way we could make this a monster movie. Like, It doesn't work. You can't play this straight. This is a good dinosaur but it's not a good enough dinosaur. And so he has to work out that gimmick, which I just, I really appreciated the candor and it didn't feel like he was painting a bro. You know how Tommy Wiseau is like, oh, well, I made The Room as a dark comedy. He said almost 20 years later, trying to rewrite history. No, no, I have every reason to believe that Stuart was like, this sucks, (laughs) but I can exploit it. Uh, oh, definitely. It works in his favor, too. I mean, this movie, uh, I mean, now, especially with the gore cut, it, it's one of those things where it's like, who who exactly was this made for? Like the PG-13 movie was made. Was it made for kids? Was it made for adults? But adults will find it too goofy. Who the yep. fuck? It's like Ghoulies yeah. 3 in a way. Like it's, like, it's like, who the fuck was this made for? Yeah, it's a tonal mismatch. And like also like relating to kids. I think there was this ideology years ago of like well if you make it cool for you know young teens then you get the little kids thinking it's cool because you had stuff like let's say rambo where you know older people liked it the kid would watch the rambo cartoon or robocop or any of a number of things but this wasn't like a rollout this was just a self-contained thing so it's not as though you could like build word of mouth for a straight to vhs release so it's very odd like you said when you exsanguinate it it's like Okay, it's kind of a creature feature, I guess. Now, Aid, in terms of like other wacky movies that you've seen, creature features, gnome named Norm type stuff, is there anything that comes to mind that you compare this movie to? We talked about this earlier, but it did remind me of when I was watching The Class of Newcomb High Part 2 for some reason. I don't know, maybe because of her outfit or something was very like reminiscent of something I couldn't remember, but... You mean when she's wearing the white lace at the end and she's just like smutting it around like every character in Class of Newcomb High 2? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it was very and, – and you're right. So I don't understand how it even was PG-13, especially with the ending and what they were insinuating. Like that's not – that. it still should have been rated R if you're going to put that in there. Like they could – no, what no, the, I, that a brain would ejaculate without yeah. testicles? That's yes. I feel like that's very uh, close-minded of you. I feel like you're being regressive. Well, <laughs> I am not being regressive. I'm just saying I wouldn't like. There's PG-13 movies that you like. I could play in the classroom, right? Like this would not be one of them. Well, clearly. I told you about a gnome <laughs> named Norm, and you didn't believe me. 
But in that movie, Robert Zadar gets a meat hook shoved up his asshole. I'm not watching that weird little movie. Like, you really it need just to. bothers me looking at that thing. I, I am can't campaigning. Do it. Everybody <laughs> on earth watch a gnome named Norm at least once. Well, you want to know what age you should show a, norm, a, a gnome named Norm because you want those kids, they're going to remember it for the rest of their life. They're like, do you remember uh, my teacher? <laughs> and everyone's going to say, I don't know what the name of that movie is. And five years, they'll be saying, do you remember? Remember that movie your teacher showed us? No. And they'll be looking. It'll be a lifelong quest to find a gnome named Norm. A gnome named Norm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I've been obsessed <laughs> no. with this idea lately of movies that are just fine and how they're going to be lost to history. Like, for instance, I was I was watching some Red Letter Media and they were talking about the Battleship, the movie with Rihanna that nobody saw. Yeah. And I was like, I can't think in 30 years of a single reason why anybody would search that because there's just such a dearth and there's such an oversaturation of media at this point. So it's up to us to get people to treat a gnome named Norm with the aplomb, dignity, and respect it deserves so that in 30 years, kids can find it and go, hey, it's the guy with the chin getting penetrated by a little gnome creature that has pubic hair for a beard. (laughs) Dead serious about this. I don't know why you guys are laughing at me. (laughs) Well, you know, hey, maybe maybe 20 years from now, they'll go on and make a a podcast about it. Just that show. Yeah, yeah, so we're making we're making a time capsule as we speak right now. So all you people, so hey, show them uh, the gnome name Norm. It'll work out in our benefit. We'll patent that. It's on Tubi, I think, right? I probably could. It's like, fuck it. I need a great paper. Here's a gnome name Norm, guys. What are some themes from a gnome named Norm? I can't even say it. Like, that's like, the, 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 the. I think Sorry. we can all agree <laughs> this film would benefit from a theme song, right? Mm. You know, you had brought up uh, Class of Newcomb High instantaneously. I think of Class of Newcomb High 1. What's going on? If you could, Adrian, not meaning to put you on the spot, just improvise a song about Tammy the Teenage T-Rex and just sing it and I'll add some music to it and post. Just go ahead. And a one e and a two e and a one two three go. Uh, no, I can't do. Um, that doesn't even rhyme. That's I the worst song. Why do you do this to me? Is this going to be a new thing now, or you just gonna, like make me make things up because I can't think on my toes? I mean, the only thing I'm really thinking about right now, let's be honest, and I'm going to keep saying it, is Paul Walker. So okay, now I'm gonna have to do this. I didn't want to. I'm gonna pull up how old Paul Walker was at the time. Because it might be creepy. So he was born in 73. Oh, so he was old enough. He was 21 at this point. So you're fine. Fine for what? Well, like, it's not creepy. Like, for instance, I think that Jennifer Connelly is a beautiful woman. But then, like, that doesn't necessarily mean I think that she's like a babe in Labyrinth. But are for you, a grown man to like that, it's like, it's a little questionable. So are, just, just Are you implying that I am old, Jake? Is that what you're I'm implying? implying that it might have been statutory for you to have the character depicted as a high school student with a bare midriff be the object of your sexual fantasies, wants, and desires. <laughs> oh, no. Big words. I'm short-circuiting. <laughs> are, are you ejaculating or short-circuiting? I don't know. At the end well, of the movie. My brain came. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Doug, do you want to improvise a song for Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex? Sure. Let's see. Well, there is that song in the beginning. It's like, or it's like the dino. They're dancing to the, some dinosaur song, but uh, all right, oh, let's yeah, give it a chance are. here. Tammy and the T-Rex watched Denise Richards have sex with Paul Walker's <laughs> midriff. 
it's a lift to get that dinosaur to sift its arms so small. Uh, it's Paul Walker. I don't know. It's so, uh, speaking of songs with dinosaurs, I recently got to watch the Dream Team, which I think I told you guys about. Uh, I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan, huge Christopher Lloyd fan, huge Peter Boyle fan, and I didn't know they were all in a movie together. And it came out in '89, the same year as Keaton doing Batman. And I watched it and I was like super excited. And you know, when you have high expectations, I had to buy this on Blu ray because it wasn't streaming anywhere. And I'm watching it and it starts off with a song, Everybody Do the Dinosaur. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love this movie. It's my new favorite movie. So I might get a tattoo for it soon. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, the Mar- Super Mario Brothers uses that everybody walk the dinosaur. Yeah, boom, boom, shakalaka, laka, boom. Yes. This movie should have had that song too. But that would also cost money, and that's the problem. You think that song was really worth a lot of money? <laughs> <laughs> the music was by Jack Conrad and Tony Ripperiti, not by Doug and Aid. But if we could get Vinegar Syndrome to re-re-release this with your songs, that would be great, even though Aid's song didn't rhyme. I didn't have a song. I was I was put on the spot. Again, that doesn't rhyme. Visual to- <laughs> effects were done by Max W. Anderson, who did special effects for fucking everything from Blues Brothers, Tron, Airplane, and Judge Dredd. Best movie of all time. Nobody? Do we have a stroke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've oh always had this God. theory that Sylvester Stallone has very bad breath and that his lips are trying to escape his face and crawl away. He does not. You're so mean. That's I have so mean. every single Sylvester Stallone film ever except for like one of the Expendables. I'm allowed to make fun. Didn't now, have a, now, yep. Do you have... Uh, Italian Stallion? Yes, I do. Yeah, yes, I've got Italian Stallion. That's yeah. that's a rare one. Now, I bought that at Amoeba for like five bucks. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, you know, he loves Adrian in that movie. So, hello. Uh, but didn't he have like polio or something? That's why his face is all like that. Like he, he, it's okay. We don't have to. You don't have to make Jake feel bad. It was just a, a flippant <laughs> remark. Just trying to be silly. Bring him down a peg because he still has a better body than me, me thanks sing. to HGH. Steroids uh, help too. Yeah. So I have I have a new segment for the show. I didn't tell you guys about. When we go through actors, I have a game that I would like to play, and so I want you to hold me accountable to this. Whenever we record the show ever again, is this their best movie? That's what I posit to you. So, Denise Richards, Paul Walker, the other guy, Buck Flowers, John Franklin, whose real name is John Paul something or other, John Paul Salapatek. Is this their best movie ever? Denise Richards, yes. Yeah, for Denise Richards, I was going to say, yeah. Then, well, she was in Starship Troopers as well. That's the one. See, that's why I couldn't give it to her. But I did give it to Paul Walker because I've never seen a Fast and Furious film. I even gave it to John Franklin because while Children of the Corn is good and Adam's family are good, this is just special. It's lightning in a butthole. A bottle. Okay. Lightning so in a butthole. You can't <laughs> listen. If you don't want to watch Fast and the Furious, you don't have to. But please watch it because I can't believe you've never seen the first one. First one is really good. Fast and the Furious seems like the McDonald's of movies. Yeah, well, the first one, because they 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 started banking on them afterwards. Like, the first one is its own thing. And then they just took it and ran with it with all of the other ones, right? But besides that, uh, Running Scared is my favorite 
Paul Walker movie. And if you've never seen it, it is super bloody, super gory, like like hits the ground running and doesn't stop until the end is the most fucked up crazy movie. Like you need to watch this movie. Vera Farmiga is in it and he goes down on her on top of the washing machine at the beginning of the movie while she's like cooking. I was thinking about <laughs> Joyride. Joyride is really good too. I love I love Joyride, but running scared. I'm recommending it to everybody. Running scared. Running scared because of that eating out scene on top of the washing machine? No, but I just figured I'd get one of you guys to like want to see that movie because of that. But other than that, no, like it's it's so violent. It's so bloody. There's a part where he they 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 pit him down to the um and oh, there's hockey in it. Jake, you'll love it. They oh, pin okay. him down in the on the ice on the ice rink and the the guys are getting the hockey puck and they're like hitting the hockey puck in his face and they break his nose. Like, ah, so good. So hey, good. B. Hey, B, we got to go get running scared. Put that on the list. It has oh, got a sex God. scene on a washing machine and hockey and a broken nose and some gore. It's so bloody. It's so violent. It's so fucking good. Like, it, it, it's just, it's got a great cast in it, too. And then Vera Farmiga is so good. And oh, my God, like, that's probably one of my favorite movies with her in it. So anyways. Huh. All right. Well, that's on the list now. <sighs> yes. I love Done deal. <laughs> What 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 themed month are we going to crowbar that into? Is there a cunnilingus month as of yet? I don't know, but we could get one. <gasps> That'd be fun. Like There's stunning, uh, cunning stunt month. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, horrible! No, you can have it like that. Yeah, it's make make it a play on words. That we'll, we'll crowbar that one in sometimes because you know we've been we've been slaving over for these reviews here where people have asked over and over again. They're like, okay, maybe next year. Oh my god, yeah. So that was crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I know. I apparently I'm just not good enough to do them because it wasn't. I didn't satisfy the masses. <laughs> uh, no, we we failed. We're failures. Like Joe, just go. Just go quit and jump in a ditch. What's sad is like we already have theme months planned and designs and stuff and media and everything. And then we're also like, well, you know, we also could do is something else because we got a bunch of stuff. And sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Buy an episode, fuck face. It's a hundred bucks. It's not that hard. Yeah, exactly. See, a hundred bucks, not bad. But I will say the one movie you guys have got to see, because I want your guys' reaction, the untold story. I I still, to this day, I'm like, that is, that's the movie that shocked me. And that's hard to do, but it did it for me. Well, I have to write that down. Where's my pen? (laughs) So yeah, yeah. But I digress. We're talking about Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex or Theodore Rex or one of the two. I will say though that you guys are kind of like pooping on this movie. I feel like or poo pooing on no, it. No, no, I, I, I love right? this movie. I, really I gave it a four it. skulls. Art face. I, I, I gave it five. I didn't notice anything really wrong with it. Did you not pay attention? We were talking like, <laughs> yeah, but like you guys were saying, I was like, you know, like a mishmash and like there's all this like whatever going on. But like I didn't even notice that. I was like I genuinely enjoyed it. So well, it is a mishmash kind of because there's like all these characters like. It's just the costume design, the dinosaurs, the acting, the bad guy that's in a uh, he's in not a cartel. He's in a gang, I think. It's like it's yeah. like why don't you just Denise Richards? Why are you, why are you with this guy? Like just leave him. And the parents are oh just like, God. don't worry, they, I'm good. Yeah, they that's the scariest part to me. Yeah, they just like like go into the house and like he smacks her, and I'm like, where the fuck are the is the adult suit? And this is how I know. Yes, I am old, everybody, but this is how I know I'm old because my first thing is like, where the fuck? Is the adult supervision like what is going on here? 
Well, <laughs> they say. probably couldn't af- afford the adults, so they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the non-union the kid actors just mm-hmm. lets all these kids in his house, and they go up to her room and shit, and then they kidnap him. Like, it's actually really very like terrible if you think about it. And then the one girl's like, "Oh, really sorry, Tammy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your boyfriend is dead. I'm really sorry." <laughs> You know, you know who that girl is. That's uh, that's um, Bridget from Leprechaun Two, the one that's like that really bad actress. Oh right on, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so she's like, say, like, oh, leave. Like she does this weird thing in Leprechaun Two, and she kind of acts the same way here. Those girls like cheese. This is before cell phones, so those two girls that drive the jeep, they're like, oh my god, look, Paul Walker's crawling up the trellis to her window. Let's go tell the guys because I love cheese, man. Like, get and a then life. they have to drive to a phone. Yeah, yeah. The That's the best part. I was expecting the lethal weapon like suitcase phone. Nope. Well, they're teenagers. They don't have you know. They don't have that kind of money. Do you think they dialed ten ten two twenty for collect calls, or was it ten ten three two one? Yes. Or- t- <laughs> Oh, you believe? That's long ago. Like it's it's crazy, but I used to do that in school too. That's what those girls probably did. So you call the ten ten two twenty line, and then when it says say your name, you say the message real quick, and then you yep. hang up. So it's free. That's what that. I used to do. Hey mom, <laughs> we're at the movies. It's over. Come pick us up. Yeah, mom, come get me. Oh my god, that's terrible. It suited an entire generation and made us all thieves and pirates like Adrian. Moving <gasps> on, uh, did you like how giggly and cute they were at the beginning of the movie? Because I really liked that. Because you guys were talking about like, really, I think the scariest part of the film is Bobby and his goons busting into the house. Because that's just such a weird, you know, like there's situations in life where like, uh, let's say Dawn of the Dead, right? The the Zack Snyder one with little girls coming at you. You could probably kick the shit out of that little girl. But you're also worried about going to jail, right? So in this situation, a bunch of kids are coming into your house. You're like, I don't want to go to jail for fucking up these kids. This is weird. This is a moral conundrum. What do I do? That's an overwhelming sensation. Can't deal with it. But I really love transposing that with them being like, "Uh uh-huh, we're kids and we're innocent. And then like shortly thereafter, you have this terrible situation with these terrible people that is shocking and smothering. And you're like, ah, did it work? Yeah, I mean that definitely. Yeah, makes sense. I don't know. It, it, it's just weird because it's like maybe they didn't mean for it to be that dark because they just had to write something up real quick. Just like, oh, let's just make this abusive boyfriend that's the bad guy because they're giggly at first, and then as soon as she's she's like, oh, I can't take this rose. You know, he's gonna kill me and kill you. I'm like, so what? What happened to being all giggly and flirty? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of '90s movies and even in the '80s, they they kind of have these kinds of boyfriends or characters that are very abusive and like the, the bad boy type thing. And the girls, you know, used to date him, doesn't date him anymore. I don't know if that was, I don't know why that was such a recurring theme in so many, because if you think about like, remember in demons and I can't think off the top of my head, a bunch of them. I was going to karate kid with Johnny, but yeah, yeah, karate kid. There's always like that. They're just, they're really mean. And, I don't know because I was so young when these things came out, like 94, I was six. So, uh, baby. Yeah. I don't know if, if that was normal for like, that was a normal thing in real life too. And they're just emulating that or they're just exaggerating it. Like I couldn't tell you. I think it's one of those societal tropes that's kind of exploited. Cause like, think about all the kids stealing lunch money and stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what? Who has lunch? I never got lunch money. I had lunch. 
you know, <laughs> or I went hungry. So the like you have those tropes that are just kind of an easy way of moving past it. And it's a great way of showing that somebody's a piece of shit. But it's so weird, too, because you had like rampant misogyny in the 80s and 90s through stuff like Porky's, where it's like you're clearly victimizing women. One is literally raped in, in Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have this like kind of innocent like pithiness there and then you pivot slightly and it's like this is how you know this is the baddest bad guy. And it's very weird tonally 20 years removed. I'm sure at the time it was a lot like easier. But for me as a kid, I'm like or as an adult, I'm like, you all suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hard because for such a funny, cute movie. When those parts would come on, I, I was get, I got so mad. I'm like, he just fucking slaps her in the hospital and just like, you know what I mean? I just don't under like. Well, I, yeah. it, it's such an extreme. I think that's what works great with this movie is that there's the, the, where he slaps her in the hospital and then you get Byron going like, you know, it's just two like <laughs> two opposite sides of the spectrum. And it's it makes it so weird because it's 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 something serious. And then it's silly and stupid. So I'm like, it's just, it, it, it works weird with the brain because one's like, whoa, the other one's like, huh. I don't, mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, this totally feels like a movie that was made by a computer. You know, like you put a bunch of words in, you put in like War and Peace and Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton and, and you know, some fucking Jane Austen or whatever. And you give it all those words and you say, okay, automated system, come up with a screenplay. And this is what it comes out because it's like, <laughs> It's it is human interaction, but none of it makes sense in real human interaction. So it's as if it only like consumed trite drivel and then came up with brilliance. Because like also, let's get into Byron, best character of the film, easily. Uh-huh. So weird to think that you had a character like that in the nineties when I mean like Will and Grace and stuff was provocative to have a gay character, and he's like antagonistically gay, which I love. Yeah. I, I thought that he was so funny. Everything he said, like his character was, was great. And you, you forget that it was in the nineties until someone, I think almost called him the F word or they were about to say it and they didn't. And then you remember, Oh yes, because we're, we're in the nineties and it's not, not even just that he's gay, but he's also black too on top of it. Right. So I, I thought that was really progressive to have this kind of character. And especially for that time, because it's like, you know, the, the homophobia was totally rampant back then. I mean, I remember how people behaved. So I just, I like that about the movie. I didn't, and I, I like that they did touch a little bit about like, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but he is so funny. And to have this kind of character in this off the wall movie is so like ahead of its time. So yeah. there's no reason for them to ever have to remake this movie. <laughs> I really hope they never do because I think it's a sequel with Shaquille. It's nicely. It's okay. a sequel. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, look, they made Coming to America 2 and Borat 2, who says they can't make Tammy and T-Rex 2, you know? There we go. Yeah. Very nice. Aww. My wife. I don't. No, no, Okay, we're going. To, we're going to bust through the rest of this stuff. Uh, Doug, you had mentioned George Buck Flowers. I have to mention him. You can't. In no way can you say this is his best film. Some of the movies that he's been in, from The Fog to Breakin', Back to the Future, Pumpkinhead, Mac and Me, Maniac Cop. This guy has a tremendous career. Doug, are there any uh, performances by Buck that you would like to highlight for the uninitiated? 
Well, actually, I'm a big fan of his 70s softcore stuff because, you know, he did softcore before. Um, so that's I have some of those movies there. But uh, no, honestly, I think it's it's a Waxwork 2. It's a very underrated one. But Waxwork 2, he's the opening. He's the dad in the beginning that drinks the beer and the hammer comes in and uh, the, the little hand comes in with a hammer. I think that that's the one I remember him for the most. Every time I see him on screen, I'll just I'll quote the lines he uses in Waxwork 2. So, hey, there's a movie for you guys if you haven't hunted that down in a bit while. But no, he's and great. So as soon as you see him, you recognize exactly who it is just by the voice. And, and it's not Boris Clitoris from Mother Knows Best. That's not your favorite role of his? I'm, I'm sh- surprised. Well, no, save that for Gums. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Gums is a 1970s like Jaws porn spoof uh but if you ever seen the movie the burbs <laughs> uh brother theodore's in that movie and no one knows it so that's kind of how buck burbs. flower was oh yeah <laughs> well well you know uh, brother theodore the the neighbor next door he's like he's like this is our house he's the one that's always yeah. like angry yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, was in a, he was in this porn called gums it's a musical porno oh my god <laughs> oh he played uh yeah he was trying to get his boat started the ss cunnilingus oh okay and it's like a, it's like like softcore or just regular porn. There's two cuts. There's the softcore one, and then there's the the full one here. I'm not making this up. I, I I'll I'll send you a picture later. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you haven't even gotten onto my like 70s uh, 70s obscure porno ones. There's oh my bat god. pussy. Yeah, so. they all all there's like so much bush and 70s porn. Like I can't get past that. I'm like, oh. There's also the ET <laughs> porn parody, which is yeah. the most disgusting you, thing I have ever seen. And you know who's in that movie too? ET the vagina? Uh Costas Mandalore from the Saw movies. Oh. Wow. Yeah, so before he was an evil detective, uh, he was a uh he was fucking ET. Huh. Wow. Maybe that's where I recognize him from. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I honestly don't know that I can top the E.T. fucking for now. So I feel this is a great place to cut to my interview with your dinosaurs are wrong. This is Steve Bellatini. He's a delightful young whelp. You can find all of his works on YouTube. He's an animator by day and a paleontologist by whenever he's doing his episodes. Amazing. It's it's delightful stuff to watch. Basically, he, you know, while it's stated in kind of an aggressive way of antagonistically, your dinosaurs are wrong. What he does is he takes like a dinosaur toy and then says why it's incorrect anatomically, historically or whatever. But then also he does a good job of being like, this is a progressive thing and we're developing as we go. It's not that these people were stupid or or monkeys. They are just uninformed. And now we know that they have feathers or now we know this or now we know that Spinosaurus had this tail. Uh, I love it. Absolutely my favorite YouTube channel. Please go support them and enjoy this interview. This is Slashers, or at least the interview portion. I still am not entirely sure how to introduce. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time is my new best friend, Stephen Bellatini of Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong. Sir, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that you even responded, because I could totally imagine a person of your aplomb in the paleontology community being like, oh, this goon who talks about horror wants to waste my time? No, thank you. You were very accommodating, so I appreciate it. Uh, no problem at all. I'm going to be honest. No, I, I don't consider myself like high profile, but uh, glad glad someone does. Um, I think I would respectfully disagree that you're held in a very high regard. And I think one of the things that people appreciate about you, and I know I do, 
you know, as a content creator, you know, I, I've always had a huge fascination with science, but I also always feel like the dumbest person in any room I'm in. And so I would just never wanted to do anything in science. And I really appreciate that you are not a doctor of paleontology or archaeology. Uh, can you talk about how your creative process goes with your level of education and your level of passion? Right. So that, that is a good point. Like, I, I think one of the advantages that our show has over more traditional SciComm is that I, I'm not officially from that academic background. I'm an animator by trade. So I am able to at least, you know, for lack of a better term, dumb down all of the terms. Like, I don't have to talk about the cotofemoralis longus muscle. I can just say it's the muscle for pulling the leg back. Yeah. And the, the layman will understand uh, perhaps better than actually reading the paper. And we get comments to that effect a lot. Like, I tried to read the paper you cited, but when you explained it, I, I, I actually got it. And that's always somewhat um, heartwarming to me that we can, you know, open it up to people. Yeah, I think this might be true to your experience, but this is one of the things that I think, like, I've always felt like I was the stupidest person. But one thing I know where I work is like, I used to give the example, I'm sure you've heard the to be or not to be speech, the soliloquy from Hamlet. One of the lines in it, he says, and with a bear bodkin, who would fortles bear? And I used to do this speech before people who want to go to law school, like, what is a bodkin? Y'all read this. Did anybody take the effort to actually sit and read it? And that's one of the things like you're taking the extra effort when you see these articles of like figuring out what the femoralis muscle is and all of those things. Um, is that something that was kind of through your education throughout? Were you always that kid? Or is this something with this is like an outlet for those kind of creative impulsive and educational impulses? I have always been that kid with regards to dinosaurs, not so much for other topics. <laughs> there you go. Like very hit or miss as far as whether I'm willing to dive down rabbit holes on other non-dinosaur scientific topics. What in the world is a bodkin? I've only heard it in like odds bodkins, the phrase. So it's like a sheath. So with a bare body, oh. so it's so basically it's saying with the dagger exposed, uh, you know, oh, what's the that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things is like so many people just hear it and let it wash over them. And that's one of the things that with science, I think a lot of people become science illiterate, not because of any wrongdoing on their part, but because they just think of it in terms of, well, this is just above me. I'm just going to let it move on rather than engaging because there's so much referential material on there. And that's one of the best things about your discord. You have a whole section just for references. That's amazing. That is, yeah, that, that I, I, if anybody like takes one core lesson from what we're trying to do here, it's that science is just a conversation between interested people. And like, if you are willing to learn, people will get you up to speed. Like that's, I, I, I have had a tremendous amount of help from everybody constantly blogging or posting on social media about their research. Like, surprise, paleontologists like to talk about dinosaurs too. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and I definitely see that in the community that you fostered. I don't ever see exclusionary kind of attitudes, and that's something we try and combat with our show because like in the horror genre, you have a lot of people who are rather exclusionary where it's like, oh, well, you haven't seen this, so you don't merit my attention. Do you get mm. that in the paleontology community at all where it's like, oh, well, you didn't read this paper, so you don't get to come at me with anything? I mean, it happens, and like it, it can be frustrating of like if somebody outright refuses to read a paper, but that's really rare. Usually people are coming into the subject from a place of wanting to learn. Yeah. And so if I may, 
one of my favorite of your episodes in the last few years is your Spinosaurus episode. One of the reasons being is that so much of it is outdated and the comment section is delightful because everybody's like wrong, but it has this sense of playfulness where it's not the smarmy, you know, pushing your glasses up your nose and going, um, actually, it's this sense of like, yes, science is constantly developing. Isn't this exciting? And I really enjoyed that. Was Is it, you know, is it frustrating or is it pleasurable? Because I imagine arguably being well, wrong has got to haunt you a little bit. Well, <laughs> I point out that the title of the show is Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong, Not Your Dinosaurs Were Wrong. So like, <laughs> it's, it's always going to be wrong. There's yeah. a limit to like how much we can accurately reconstruct, and science is always going to march on. Spinosaurus specifically, the sheer volume of comments we've gotten has been somewhat... Uh, <laughs> It's been a bit much. Yeah. Just like not even just the Spinosaurus video. Like every video we put out is like, hey, are you going to update Spinosaurus? <laughs> hey, did you hear about the tail? Hey, did you read the Ibrahim et al. paper? Did, <sighs> did you read the, uh, I, I don't even remember, the more recent paper about whether they could uh, be an aquatic pursuit predator or not. Or, or the one where it's like a swim. heron like poking its head in the water from the shore. I read that one as well. But that's funny because that harkens back to an earlier study that just kind of reaffirms so I don't know. It, was, it felt a little copied and pasted, but it was all right. But yeah, uh, well, yeah. The, there's always been back and forth of like, well, we have this idea. Here's the opposing idea. Well, maybe it's a synthesis of the two. Yeah, but in terms of you know your general progress and everything, is is it something where you want to go back and do it, or do you kind of like the fact that you have an eager oh. fan base who's ingesting this material and going beyond you because if their research stopped at that episode, they don't go any further. But the fact that these people have has got to kind of show you that your method's working, right? That's a good point. And I hadn't even thought about uh, thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. If if people are coming in to correct us, that means that on some level, we must have inspired them to look into it further. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> um, but yes, we, we do intend to revisit Spinosaurus. We intend to revisit a lot of the earlier episodes. Some of them were uh, wrong or at least somewhat misguided uh, uh, when we first made them. but. Uh, we'll we'll get to it. That's one of the great things about the way you phrase your analysis. You know, you, you're very science based, but it's not exclusionary. You're not so highbrow to where I can't access it. But you certainly use terminology that that you know I used to do research journalism, and so I could tell that you have a high ethical standard of the terms that you're using. You're trying to avoid like hyperbole and stuff, and using absolutes. Uh, is that something that you try and encourage so that I guess? science literacy isn't so i don't even know how to say it like i get i hate to keep going back to exclusionary but i guess for lack of a better term exclusionary right I, I try not to wall off people who aren't willing to google every other word in a sentence which a lot of these papers you seem to have to like what in the world is a prezygapophysis but um <laughs> I, I lost the thread of your question and trying to clarify the end of that sorry oh, it's okay. what, what, Basically, my point was just, you know, in, in the way that you're using your language, it seems very deliberate in terms of making sure that you're not coming across as absolutist. So I think that that is great because you're predicating everything on knowledge and the pursuit thereof. So it encourages people to keep going. And it's also it protects you because you're not an absolutist. You're not creating a, a line in the sand and saying, well, if you're not me, you're wrong. Right. And I have occasionally gotten emails from people to the effect of like why do you think you know better than than other people and like i i've tried very hard not to 
project that image. So that's a little frustrating. But for the most part, I, it's just something I kind of picked up along the way of like, oh, scientists really don't talk in absolutes like this because there's always room for more interpretation. There's, uh, I don't remember who said it, but it was like, no amount of evidence can prove me right, but a single piece of evidence could prove me wrong. And that person was talking about physics, but it applies equally well to paleontology. Absolutely. Biology as a whole. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And the amount of times where you have people who want to basically exalt themselves by being the person to correct versus your audience is very much there. It's like a team effort. That's got to feel cool at a certain level, right? It does. I, I, I am very grateful to our audience and how much they like to participate. I mean, obviously, they, they'll like send in toys and stuff like that, but they like to participate by just bringing things to my attention or by making paleo art. Like we've gotten contacted on Twitter of like, hey, I saw your episode and I made this paleo art based on the thing you said. And it's like, oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> people are making things. People are putting in labor. Yeah, that's uh, that's how one of my co-hosts became a co-host was by doing fan art and then just weaseled his way in. It's crazy. Now, in going to art, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't do my due diligence and research you thoroughly. Uh, can you tell me about Go Go Shoe Rangers? Because I have a theory that you created that as a means of differentiating from incorrect robots in the you Super are- Sentai show. You are reaching way back. Wow. Okay, so that was actually just a project I made for a 3D animation class I was doing in college. I wasn't even aware that was still online anywhere. <laughs> it's delightful, must... by the way. Oh, I, well, thank you. I was I sure I had the Vimeo? wrong person for a couple of seconds. I was like, hold on. Like, this can't be. And it was. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best find I've ever had in my research on the show. <laughs> That's right. Well, we were, yeah, we were required to model such and such number of objects and then put them into a scene. So I was like, okay, shoes seem relatively easy. And I was really into, well, I still am to a degree, but I was really into uh, like tokusatsu giant robot shows. So yeah. that, that felt like felt like a easy enough way to, to go. I should not have used so much ray tracing. I was delightful. You, you got to give yourself credit. And it also never would have lasted on YouTube because the music is so accurate to the original. I'm sure you would have gotten 17 copyright strikes and they would have come after you for a kidney or so. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah. Well, that was from the Newgrounds audio portal. It was actually Creative Commons. Okay. So I, I wouldn't have been. I mean, I probably, probably would have gotten stricken by a robot anyway, but I yeah. would have had a case at least. That's what happened to us. One of the reasons we had stopped posting episodes on YouTube was just having a title with the name of the movie would get us a strike. I wouldn't use search terms like full movie or anything like that. Nothing salacious. And I'd get something where, you know, and as an attorney, I basically write a legal brief in response because it like impugns my dignity. I'm like, how dare you, robot? Like, you don't deserve to come at me like this. But you you mentioned tokusatsu, which not a lot of people even know about, much less can pronounce. Uh, Do you have a favorite series? Uh, Oh, I mean, not really. I, I I watched Power Rangers when I was of the age to like Power Rangers, but like, no, I am. I'm not a huge fan of that area. I'm just aware of it. Right on. I enjoyed SSSS Gridman, if that counts. That's there we like go. Toku, tokusatsu adjacent. What is it? Uh, so Super Samurai Cyber Squad Gridman, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you got to love that they can, in order to be cutting edge in that show, they go back millions of years and basically steal dinosaurs and put them in a machine, which is fun. 
Now, in terms of, uh, you know, I had reached out to you because I would love to know your opinion on what you think the scariest dinosaur is, which is incredibly subjective because what offends everybody's sensibilities is so different. Uh, do, do any come to mind for you? Well, I, I was uh, a little off put by your question, to be honest, because it's not a subject I think about very often. Yeah. Like the, this comes up in like the feather debate every once in a while of like feathered dinosaurs aren't scary. And the sort of stock response is, well, the animal doesn't care whether it's scary to a human. Yeah. And to an extent, that's true. Like dinosaurs probably would need to be scary to other dinosaurs as, as a threat display. Absolutely. But there's no way of knowing even what some of those would be, much less like whether we humans would find them scary. But uh, I mean, to me personally, the scariest dinosaur is the North American barn owl. I have difficulty articulating <laughs> why, but their faces just look like the angel of death to me even before they split open, as, as soon as they open their mouths. And everybody else is like, oh, barn owls, they're so cute. And I, it's like they're fawning over the Grim Reaper to me. But uh, I assume you're asking about non-avian dinosaurs. Well, actually, which, I do like that because I, the northern white-faced owl is actually the, what I would find to be the scariest avian creature of all time. Uh, mo many people know it as the transformer of owls because it like there's a great video online where it goes from this tiny little like ferret looking thing to huge plumage to tiny to like this it looks like a robot that uh, like a transformer that keeps sneezing and stopping mid transformation. But yes, if we could talk about the kind that may have had uh, a little bit more of a, a a dated existence, maybe 33 million plus. Mm. Um well the you, I suppose there's a distinction to be made between like what dinosaurs are dangerous, which is like most of them, and what dinosaurs are scary. Because That's you know, a, a moose is dangerous, but I, as far as I know, nobody's made a horror movie about a moose attacking people. So you know, any of these large sauropods, any of the ones that weigh as much as four elephants, are like this force of nature, and they could obliterate a human without even like noticing that they stepped on you. But I don't know if you can construct a narrative whereby they're a credible threat, and they don't <laughs> look that scary, especially if you zoom in on their face and you see how derpy they all are. Like a, a tap dancing apatosaurus, where you're like, oh great, he's killed an entire town, but that's not exactly compelling. Yeah, right. Uh, any of the Thyreophora among the, uh, the plant-eating dinosaurs, so uh, Stegosaurus or Ankylosaurus, anything that has a frankly irresponsible number of spikes coming out of its flesh. <laughs> I, when you look at one of those, you're like, okay, I understand cognitively that this is a threat because I can picture what the Thagomizer will do to poor Thag Simmons. Yeah. Uh, I, I can recognize that I will be impaled on this. I feel like movies specifically tend to focus on the, the theropods. They focus on the Tyrannosaurus and, the, and some on Allosaurus and more recently on the Dromaeosaurs. And Dromaeosaurs are in, an interesting pick because like being scared implies a sort of being surprised. And we know that Dromaeosaurs like Velociraptor and Deinonychus would have been adapted for ambush predation. Yeah. So if you're looking for a dinosaur that's going to like jump out of the bushes and ah, you're dead. Uh, Dromaeosaurs, good pick. If you're looking for a dinosaur that's more of a like chase you down, inexorably will pursue you and catch you, either something like a young Tyrannosaurus is pretty scary. The older ones we could outrun, yeah. I think. And like the older ones probably wouldn't bother with us because it's like, I, 
it's like me calories, cha- right? Yeah. right it's like me chasing a chicken wing down the street it's not i'm not going to get enough calories out of it to justify what i'm spending but a younger tyrannosaurus was faster on its feet and probably would consider us worth the meal similarly something like a uh Carnotaurus. Carnotaurus is famously a speed demon of an animal, even though it kind of looks like a sausage on legs, but it's got horns on the front of it. Which is so, that's so at red. Least got... <laughs> uh, yeah, my family did one of those Jurassic Quest drive-through things where they have the models of all the dinosaurs, and my wife was like, she was the one driving for part of it, and she like stopped because she was so obsessed with the Carnotaurus. Like, it's so red, right? And like, that's the one thing that has almost made me watch that terrible Disney dinosaur movie. Like, I've never uh, brought myself to do it, but I know they're the villains. So I've tracked down meticulously every scene I could find with them. But then just to, like, that is not an iguanodon. Leave me alone, please. I cannot take this. I, yeah, the dinosaurs designs in that movie were a little, well, a lot off. Yeah, uh, I think they're better the in Weird Tor- Back Dinosaurs than that movie, to be frank. <laughs> Certainly in the like opening and uh, toward the end where they get reverted back to their primal forms, they're, they're a little better, but uh, yeah, Carnotaurus, as long as you, as long as you didn't take any turns, it was faster than us. But like, if you were to serpentine, they couldn't corner well. So I think you'd be okay there, but maybe a dinosaur that's scary is one that can like verbally intimidate us. Like half the reason that so many people were frightened of the Tyrannosaurus sequence in uh, the first Jurassic Park is because of that boom and and the water glass is shaking. The problem is we can't really know what dinosaurs sounded like. The only ones that we have any like partial reconstruction is like the honking hadrosaurs or the honking uh, ankylosaurs. Yeah. But uh, not the most intimidating. I like the theories, you know, as far as like the crocodile and like certain bird sounds like hissing and growling and gurgling. But like, that's cool. I think more for an ambush hunter, like you're saying, if I hear a growling from a bush and I can't see it, I'm like, whoa, that's way scary. But if I have a giant monster, the fact that it's giant is what's scary. Not so much the growling. Mm, That's a good point. That's a good point. Do you like the Tyrannosaurus bellow from Jurassic Park a la with a little bit of donkey, if I'm not mistaken? That, yeah, it's like a composite of a bunch of animals. They've got, I, th- I think they had a baby elephant in it too. Yeah. It's a, it is a good sound. I don't know if it's a good sound for a theropod to make. I, 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 there's so little to go on as far as would they have a more bird-like approach to vocalization? Would they be more like a crocodile? I, I cannot speak to its accuracy, but as far as whether it works in the movie, yeah, I'd say it does. Yeah. It's very effective. I think that's why everything's basically ripped it off to the point where I'm like, wait, did they just copy and paste this? Like, that's ridiculous. So, yeah, one of the ones that I keep going back to in my analysis of this, because I've had a very flowing kind of approach to this question myself. You know, there's obviously you have like Spinosaurus is terrifying. And now that you know how aquatic a fish. Correct. You know, but like, you know that it's multiple levels. So you have the question of the terrain. You know, like a Quetzalcoatlus is mm. terrifying. Obviously not technically the same time. We'll get into that. But, you know, the, in terms of A, it could ambush you. It comes from the sky. It can lift you and just let gravity kill you. I mean, that seems terrifying. Uh, but I think I keep going back to Utah Raptor because it's kind of a great mm. blend of so many given its huge size, but then also its ambush ability. That's a good pick, Utah Raptor, because it's got like the strengths of a Dromaeosaur but then also the size of a mid-sized theropod. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's like you're being attacked by a ninja grizzly bear. <laughs> That's actually it's very funny, appropriate. 
It's funny that you should mention Quetzalcoatlus. That was I was going to like have that as like a runner-up because technically they're not dinosaurs. They're they're very close. They're Ava Metatarsalians, which yeah. is as close as you can get to a dinosaur without being one. But like they're so tall. They're like they're like a Slenderman bird, or yeah. or, or like the um, oh, what's the HGL story? They're like the tripods from uh, the War of the Worlds. Right? They they they'll just like walk over you, and you'll be like, oh, this is terrifying but kind of neat and then the beak comes down yeah. and then you're gone like who built this flesh bridge above me oh goodness <laughs> like like a, a giraffe is suddenly over you and you didn't you didn't know where the giraffe was a second ago yeah i you know this is one where i'll crowbar a horror reference in because when i read stephen king's it there's a scene okay. with a giant terrifying bird and I couldn't find myself afraid of a terrifying bird, so I just transposed that with a Quetzalcoatlus, and I was just about to shit myself in fear because that just sounds just terrifying. That is a fair transposition. I do the same thing with the uh, fell beasts in Lord of the Rings. He explicitly says that they're not pterodactyls, but I just imagine pterosaurs anyway because yeah. a giant naked bird just isn't intimidating to me. Yeah, it, it feels a little too scrotal. I feel like I could kick that and win. I don't know. It doesn't have enough meat to me. But, uh, you know, there were other ones that I was tempted, like Iganotosaurus, just like based on scale. But you bring up great points when it comes to being able to angle and scuttle and scurry around. I think that that really a lot of people don't take that into account. Right. And being able like, I guess I would divide it into dinosaurs that could like sneak around your house and and kill you from uh, a hiding place versus dinosaurs that could just wipe out the house yeah there you go like bo both of those could work as threats but I, I can't decide which would be more scary yeah based on your earlier lord of the rings reference i'm imagining some hobbits under you know in the hollow under a tree and then there's like a, a raptor can settle around and get to them but then you have a spinosaurus just takes away the tree so like that's a, an image i'm gonna carry with me for the rest of my life so thank you very much Bambi versus Godzilla. That's one of my favorites. I showed my wife that the other day and she was like, what is this? And I'm like, just be patient. And she's like, this is this is boring. Let's move on. And I'm like, just be patient. And then it happens. And she looked at me like I was just the, an abomination of a, a human being. But I'm OK with that. Now, um, I have a hard time as well, because I think that there are a lot of people who unfairly malign like the true velociraptor. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's basically the size of a dog. Right. And then you get the fighting dinosaur where, where it's fighting the protoceratops and it dies. And they're like, well, if it can't kill a protoceratops, how can it kill me? I'm like, can you kill a protoceratops? Can you do that with your hands? I don't think you could. So I think this is still a much more fair fight. Do you think that they're unfairly kind of subjugated based solely on their size? On the subject of protoceratops, like, I wonder, like, they have forward facing eyes. They have these big old eyes. They're probably nocturnal or at least partially nocturnal. I, I would be credibly frightened if there was like a cluster of protoceratops yeah. coming at me out of the darkness. Cause those are some very large beaks on the front of those animals. Yeah. But uh, as far as Velociraptor specifically, it's a fair point, but it's kind of a misguided point. Like I have had problems with dogs for much of my life and dogs are not much, well, most dogs are not much bigger than a Velociraptor. Yeah. And they're credibly scary to me. A velociraptor has more sharp bits than a dog, too. It's it's like the the idea of velociraptor. The, the the size is kind of a separate issue from the feathers. But whenever people bring up the feathers thing, I think about like imagine if there were 
a trope in movies that if you portrayed wolves or dogs as a bad guy, you had to have them shaved for some reason. Yeah. Like that's how weird the the featherless raptor argument comes across to me. Like I kind I, I guess that's worse, but like why is this even a trope that we have established? Yeah, I completely agree because you have like I grew up doing lots of martial arts and jujitsu and grappling. Plumage scares me because I wouldn't know how I could grab. What like where do I even get my hand to do a cinch? Versus when it's naked, it's like all right, I can I can get a hand around this neck. I can at least hold on and go for to gouge an eye. But with the like, you know, when it comes to the feathered dinosaurs, like the one I'm not afraid of is Archaeopteryx because it's the size of a crow. But even then, if it flaps around, it could still screw me up. Like it's not a, a, a default get out of jail free card because it's tiny. And the only the only dinosaur I've ever lost a fight to is a red winged blackbird, which are about like that big. So, <laughs> yeah, don't ride bikes near their nests. They uh they don't like that. Yeah, I, mama bird, I imagine for sure. Now, can you think? You know, in you had brought up the protoceratops, which especially when it comes to its nighttime, the semi nocturnal, because that's you know very famously when they believe that the fight would have been in the fighting dinosaurs and stuff. Uh, in terms of like dinosaur behavior, is there anything that you could think? Uh, aside from maybe just going after mama bird's eggs that could make us appealing to a dinosaur. Because like you said, there's not a whole lot of meat on these bones. Mm. So like what what situation would cause a dinosaur to consider us either prey or or like to be vindictive towards us and like come after us? I mean, yeah, tr- messing with their eggs is probably a surefire way. I imagine they were probably pretty territorial. So if you were encroaching on their turf that might be enough to get them to go after you yeah if they well this is all counterfactual because obviously we don't coexist with dinosaurs and they probably wouldn't have any fear of man that's one of the things because you had mentioned on your stegosaurus episode like it doesn't have to have a huge brain because all it does is just eat the food in front of it so for us to be a credible threat to them i don't know that we could do anything aside from just being in the wrong place like i could probably slap it in the head and it's like okay like that's marginally worse than getting hit with a leaf. Yeah, Stegosaurus, I feel like, is more likely to harm you by accident than yes. by intent. Exactly. Like it just pivots its head. And that, I mean, the head is one twelfth the length of its body, right? And I still think that that would hurt more than getting hit with like Mjolnir, for Christ's sake. I wonder. I hadn't considered uh, uh, scenarios. Because yeah, I couldn't either. Like that. Like legitimately, I I had pined over this as well because I wanted to think of like what could make the threat. Because I try, you know, it's not fair to just do a cage match. Because a cage match, a human obviously loses. But if I could, if I could scurry up a tree or into a burrow or into a creek or something to try and give me some kind of advantage. And so when you start getting into those scenarios, you keep extrapolating, and then before you realize it, you've spent forty hours in one work week thinking about dinosaurs and not your real job. That's not obviously specific to me. I have a fiduciary duty to my clients. I haven't let them down, but I am obsessed with dinosaurs. So have I stalled enough to give you adequate time to come up with a scenario? Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose one scenario that could result in a dinosaur coming after you is if you were in the Nemegd formation in the Cretaceous period and somehow managed to convince a Therizinosaurus that you were plant matter. Because then the claws come out. And Therizinosaurus is called scythe lizard because on its each of its first three fingers are something like either half a meter to a meter long, long uh, uh, 
flat, sharpened scythes. And I don't exactly know what it was using those for. Some people have suggested that they were for manipulating plant matter. It's difficult to understand how, but... Uh, a sort of the scraping if, method, right? Because that's the one thing I've seen is like, basically, it's like a butter knife scraping. But then like the three foot kind of measurement, I, I read that, you know, because of like the brittle nature of the, the sharp, you know, the sharper the object is, the more brittle it gets towards the tip. And obviously, so it could have been even longer than that. So I, mm. I struggle to think how it could be anything besides like, you know, uh, a sexual display or defense. But anyway, keep going. Right. Well, at a certain point, it's like, one, it's difficult to predict how long a keratin sheath will be based on the bone that we have. Like, we get surprised all the time. But uh, secondly, like, even if it was for display, it has to start from a place of being useful. Like, no creature evolves giant claws on its hands just for display it was using them and maybe once it has those and those are demonstrably useful to demonstrate its fitness then it starts to get crazy and cartoonish but i still would not like to be impaled and or crushed by them yeah actually funny enough we're working on a t-shirt design where it's therizinosaurus as uh, freddy krueger that's a good mix that's Especially the face, because like it's widely kind of accepted that like as far as any kind of plumage or proto feather or anything, there's not a whole lot there. So you could have that kind of like garish mottled skin and then just yeah, mm. some green and red feathers, whatever. That's a good idea. Yeah, we try. You know, it, that's one of the things of like, you know, every single person I talk to about this, because this is a very self-indulgent month of content for me. Like if I could have, I probably would have done a dinosaur podcast if I felt in any way confident in myself as a scientist or a science enthusiast. So this is something I've always loved and always wanted to do. And so I, I surveyed our Patreon patrons and fans and I was like, hey, like, am I completely off base or would this be rad? And every single horror fan who I've talked to was also simultaneously obsessed with dinosaurs. And I'm so excited about that. Excellent. Are there any other things that you're obsessed with kind of in this, maybe not to the point where you like have a career aspiration towards, but just things that you really enjoy? Because I think that maybe... You know, my working theory is that dinosaurs were probably a lot of people's first obsessions. And then they took that kind of obsessive approach to certain things and maybe transposed it with horror or baseball courts or something else in their life. And they kind of use that same methodology. Mm. I mean, I've kind of lucked out because I didn't have to switch because I could just stay obsessed with dinosaurs and then try to make a a living off of it. But uh, no, I've applied the sort of I already used the rabbit hole analogy, but I'm going to use it again. I have dived down the rabbit hole on animation as well. I, I my, my trade is animation, even though I'm not the best at it, but I, I have studied and uh, tried to absorb as much media that is animated as I can from as many sources as I can. So that's about the only other field other than dinosaurs that, that I've taken that approach with. And equally as diverse. I mean, that's one of the great things is that you know you have different genuses and styles. And I mean, I was actually I just interviewed a guy who created his own video game and just talking about like bit mapping shading techniques. Like that's fascinating. I wish I would have had the recording on at that point, but then also I didn't want to alienate an audience who's like, who cares? Talk about heads oh. exploding. <laughs> so um in terms of you know, your content, can you tell my audience where they can find you, support you, patronize you, and so forth, et cetera, ad hominem? 
in perpetuity. Oh, sure. We are on YouTube at Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong, youtube.com slash C slash Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong. You can also find the show under the name Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong on Patreon, on Ko-fi. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, various other social media platforms. And I didn't have anything else to lead into, but it felt like an and sort of way to end a sentence. <laughs> it's totally okay. That's the thing is like it's so exhaustive to try to pedal yourself to make yourself available because the algorithm is so cruel that like if you're not everywhere, you're absolutely nowhere. Mm. So perfect. Well, Stephen, I really want to thank you for coming on. I know this is probably a little bit adjacent to your general audience, but I really anticipate that a lot of our goons will come over and find you and also find your back catalog which is still up with the uh, the science national science institute right correct we're, we're working on moving those but uh we haven't uh we haven't gotten there yet awesome well if you ever have anything that you'd like to promote in the future you always have a home here uh, i'm not entirely sure that you'll be doing any horror content but hey october is only a mere few months away so if you mm. ever you need some guy to yell at your audience on youtube about how their xenosaurus could be uh haunting their dreams you just let me know buddy I will keep that in mind. Thank you for having me. I, I, I'm sorry I didn't have like a definite answer for you that I could go to bat for. I don't want one. That's the great part about it is it's so subjective because like you want to know something? The mummy, the Brendan Fraser mummy. You know what the scariest part of that movie is to me? The scarab beetles, the scuttling scarab beetles, because I just. Yeah. Like, and I could beat up a scarab beetle, right? 50 of them? Probably not. <laughs> So Velociraptors, sure, we could go to the dog thing. I might be able to choke out a dog, but five of them? Probably not. So there's a lot of criteria where you could just be like, hey, I never thought of that. Like I, I was doing some research on Heterodontosauridae, which no, it's tiny and it's like a little wallaby with a beak and boar tusks. No, I don't even want to think about fighting that. So sorry to get so animated at the end there, but there is no right answer in my opinion. So I appreciate that you don't have one. And also it shows your scientific approach because you're not dealing in absolutes, Steve. Brought it around. I should probably like do something other than smile and nod since this is audio, shouldn't I? That's what I kind of kept giving It's okay. It's no big deal. I'm, I'm so accustomed to video. You're right. Okay. Uh, everything you just said is accurate. <laughs> Heterodontosaurus, I would not want to meet either un unless I had very, very thick gloves on. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. You have yourself a great afternoon, my friend. You too. So long. That was my interview with Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong. Now, I know you guys loved it. You guys always listen to my interviews because, I mean, that's what we do when we're recording. I play them right now and I listen to it along with you and then we Mystery Science Theater and we talk about it. It's pretty great. Closing remarks on Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. You should have asked your interview uh, how, what they thought about the anatomic corrections of uh, the T-Rex. The was it anatomically I think correct? His brain would spark more than Paul Walker's ejaculate motherboard, dude. This is so <laughs> inaccurate. It just can't exist. Well, do the dinosaurs really ask for change when they go to the payphone? Remember, like, <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. Oh, there's so many oh great little bits, and like the, the flower eating and stuff. One thing I like is it's not overly reliant on Jurassic Park or being like a spoof movie. There's the one thing with like the water rippling when it's walking by but yeah. really when you think about it this is very light in terms of parody or satire yeah yeah i agree I, it's i don't really think that the the t-rex the t-rex is in it but i don't necessarily think that he's like the the well i don't know 
maybe he is. I don't know. I don't know if the T-Rex really is like the, the main thing because we know that it's, that it has, a, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Cut this out. We're editing this part out. Doug, go ahead. <laughs> Did <laughs> no, you know I, I was just going to say it's a good mixture of like uh, of like Toxic Avenger Part Two splatter and uh, Henry and the or Harry and the Hendersons. That's what it reminds yeah, me. Yeah, I could see oh, that. Oh yeah, I agree. Or, or gnome named Norm, right? Same. <laughs> no, nobody. Okay. Did you notice that Bulk, not actually Bulk, but a guy who looks just like Bulk from Power Rangers, is at the party? Guy is like leather and he's chubby and dancing. Oh Great character. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. That's funny. Yeah. That's, this was this was a really good one. Thank you guys for uh, suggesting this this month because I really enjoy the all of the crazy things that I've watched this year with all of our different between trauma and everything else. This is my favorite. I'll definitely watch this more than once. Like it was so uh-huh. cute, so funny. I loved it. Yeah, this one's fun. And I know like we didn't really get into the story as much, but for you listeners out there, uh, if you have a family gathering or something, just turn this movie on. Um, I, I had it on. I think last Christmas. So I was at my parents' place up north, and uh, my dad's just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And, then, and then everyone, no matter what, they'll all come in, and we sat, they sat down and watched the whole movie because it was so intriguing. You know. Well, yeah, so I mean, I guess we can still get into the story in, in so far as you know, it's a kid. But it's a little bit more interesting than like the animal with Rob Schneider. It's not just that he was like wounded and he's resuscitated in a T-Rex. There's also this nefarious plot of these people who want to find a brain to implant in their dinosaur robot. Uh-huh. So they take this kid who's been victimized by his new girlfriend's ex-boyfriend and company and they put him in a T-Rex. And then that's basically all that happened. The revenge on Bobby, Billy, whatever is like immediate it feels like it happens mm-hmm. at that party you expect it to be you know this big drawn out thing and that's the penultimate event and then really the ending is just you know the the ghouls who do the cranial implantation yeah and it's i really liked the the effects in it they are hokey but they're they're really good like they're bloody and they're nasty so i think if you i don't want to say juxtapose but if you're <laughs> So you were saying you, when you juxtapose what? No, I mean, if you, it, it's a, it's a cute, it's really good horror comedy. So I'm really excited that they, that I did watch the, the uncut version or the R quote R rated version, which the other ones should still be R for whatever reason. But I'm really glad that I watched that. And, um, I, I feel like it's, it's for dinosaur month. Like, I just don't feel like it's that much into the dinosaur. Like, I don't know. I don't think they really T-Rex is in the name. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I just keep thinking of her when they when they like panned out and they show the the dinosaur running with her on top. Like it's the stupidest thing. It's the best movie ever. I know. Well, I mean, this movie sorry. could really be anything. Like it, like we said the T-Rex is just kind of in name and that's just the item they had, but you know, I would I would love it if they put his brain in like a vacuum cleaner or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like a little toaster or something, but he has, it's very equivocal to like short circuit, you know, it's the quest for humanity, but this is slightly askew. It's, it's very RoboCop. If I could be so bold, which maybe that's why I like it so much where he's like, I'm a monster. Don't look at me, darling. But then they're like still in love. And that's like weirdly sweet. It's like the happy ending that Alex Murphy will never get. Oh, that is sweet. Yeah, we didn't have RoboCop uh, jacking off in a, in a in a jar with his just his eyes rolling back. 
like in RoboCop 2, when he gets like chopped up. Oh, like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the old face. See, that's what we could have gotten the RoboCop sex scene. The RoboCock sex scene. Ayo. Uh, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Adrian, how else could they pay me big bucks? Oh, you guys could definitely join our Patreon patrons. And we have another watch party coming up, everyone. So keep that in mind if you want to join us for that. It's at yeah. Patreon. Patreon.com slash slashers pod, or you can uh, buy any of our new designs. Jake has some really good dinosaur ones up right now on our sla- on our Redbubble at slasherspod.redbubble.com. Bingo, bingo, bongo. And Doug, let's say they couldn't get enough of our scrum tiddlyumptious back and forth and repartee. Where else can they find you and I every single week? Yes, well, Jake and I are on B-Movie TV on Roku. It's a free channel, so um, I'm on Friday Night Action at 8 p.m. Fridays. I host the action film of the week, and then Jake's on Saturday Night Terror Saturdays at 10. There we go. Yeah, I was going to say, and the other thing, too, support our Patreon. Uh, you could buy reviews. We'll review all your stuff. And, uh, hey, I, I work for cheap. I'm like a $2 whore, so if you have a movie you want me to see, send it my way. We'll watch it. We'll review it. We'll have a good laugh. Uh-huh. There we go. So I suppose this is where I'm supposed to say for Doug and Adrian, my name is Jake saying goodbye and good die. You had better buy a fucking lottery ticket, snot brain. You just listened to a podcast and got to hear from Cyber Slash 1000 twice. Damn. Lucky. This week's hidden track is by Mice on Stilts. Spoiler alert, the mice are actually men. And those men are sexy particularly Benjamin. Cue in the sound effect from Silence of the Lambs where Hannibal does that fey 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 sound. Support them at the links in the episode description, goons. Spirit in the sky My brother of the earth Son of the South, son of my right hand We accept you and uphold you Come on.